this text. But in, um, in, in Matthew 13, for about six verses there, he says, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered to them, "You To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because, and this is the part I want us to capture, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, and that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts have grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Um, and then just one last thing he says, he says, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So if you look at John nine and whatever you're looking at, at the, at, at the Bible or, um, or however you, you do, it, if you go down to the last little part, verse 41, there's this, uh, our last 40 and 41, the last little section, he says, some Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see your guilt remains. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind as you're reading this story. And as you think about what we just read in Matthew um, 13, quoted from Isaiah, is part of our pilgrim, our, our Christian pilgrimage should be this reality that God has opened us up to things that he's, he's allowed us to see things that other people cannot see. And so one of the thoughts I thought about as I read this text is we were not born blind physically, but we were all born spiritually blind. We, uh, we came into this world, not understanding the life and light that Jesus brings to the equation. And so why we we are different than this man in this story in the sense that we weren't born physically blind we were born spiritually blind and just as jesus teaches in so many ways he'll take a physical um reality and show how he, he will explain a spiritual reality through that and so we'll read our, our we'll start the story this morning um or i did want to say one other thing is I want us to keep also in mind, I sent a text out this morning. Um, so how do we take the book of John in its fullness? What was, what was the purpose of John writing what he wrote in the book of John? And what I wanted us to keep in mind as we look at these profiles is I sent you a, a text, you a list of seven signs and seven um, I am statements. And, and, 
and I and I want to draw your attention to to John 20, 30 and 31, um, where he says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So that's speaking that John said, I kind of limited this. I gave you the summary here. And verse 31, he says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So this is the purpose of the book of John. And he also says something similar to that at the last verse of the book in 21, 25. He says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And so what this is painting is this picture, whether we're looking at seven signs or, or whether we're looking at um, seven I am statements or just a handful of profiles. What John is saying is that this is enough for you to know enough about Jesus. You know, I'll just say it this way for it to radically change your life. And so we will see these stories in these profiles. Some people, their lives are radically changed and other people, they resist the change to the point that they walk away like the rich young ruler because he had much earthly wealth. Um, so th those are just some, some big picture items. So what we'll do this morning is we'll break up. We'll, we'll look at these first seven verses and basically the flow of these 42 verses, just kind of so that we can stay on, um, on the same page is he's going to, we're going to deal with, we're going to, the disciples are going to have some assumptions of, of what's going on. And Jesus is going to deal with that. And, and we're going to be introduced to the blind man and, and, a, and a, 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 a great reality is going to happen for him. His life is going to be radically changed. And then as this happens, all of the people that knew him are going to be like, is this the guy? Is this not the guy? And there's going to be sort of a division there. And then then they're going to say, well, we got to, we got to figure out what's going on. And their, their first thought is to bring them to the religious leaders. And he's going to come to the religious leaders and there's going to be a split there. You know, is, is he this, is he that? And um, so we're going to see a split both in the neighborhood and with the religious leaders. And then they're going to say, well, we got to get some verification and they're going to bring the parents into the equation. Was he really born blind? Is this really him? I mean, what are we dealing with here? And as, as this scene sets, what we're also going to see is we're going to see um, not only does this man receive his sight, we, we get to see him um, sort of witness or represent Christ in different degrees. And so I'm going to point out specifically five different degrees where you see this man that was touched by Jesus. He really don't know how to give a defense for his faith or for what has happened with him and his relationship with Jesus. He's pretty weak at the beginning, but you see, as he goes through these interactions, he gets bolder and bolder and bolder um, to it all. And one other big picture for us to be thinking about is the church. You know, is the church serving its purpose of helping you? What I've always thought is interesting, helping you to know Christ and to grow in Christ. What I've always thought was interesting is in this day and age, and it was similar to sort of Catholic, where they felt like that they couldn't be separated from the church, that their salvation was so radically attached to the church that um, that to be cast out of the church meant they would be doomed doomed to hell. And um, and so 
the leaders of the church of those days were yielding a power over people, you know, based on their fear of hell and sort of an unfair way, but no one wanted to be cast, cast out. And so one of the things I think is interesting that this story deals with is, is the casting out of a person and, um, and for the, in this case, for the sake of, of, of Christ. So um, those are the big picture things. Let's look at the text, the first seven verses here. Um, um, he says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not this man sin or his parents but that the works of god might be displayed in him so looking at you know just pulling the clarity here um we all make assumptions sometimes we make religious assumptions or or or, or and and this was a wrong assumption here the disciples are walking with jesus they've seen a bunch of stuff but they have made a wrong assumption by someone that was born blind. I think about the story of Job, how it exhausts that, that all his friends have assumed that Job has apparently sinned because um, God would only do bad things for, for people that sin. And Jesus is, is kind of busting that, that, um, that yoke or that thought wide open. He's saying that in the intention of plan of God, that, that this guy was born blind, for a very specific reason. And he, and he says, the way he words it, he says, he says it was not because of his, his, his sin or his parents' sin, but the works of God might be displayed in him. And I, I heard an interesting thought on this text once before where they said, how does a man sin before he's born? And that's just one to put in your, in your thinker to try to work out. But and after, after that, verse 4, um, or, or in verse four, he said, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Shalom, which meant sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. So I think what we can pull from this point is this is the born again. This is the salvation story. This is where someone is so wondering about what's God's plan for my life. What it, does he care about me? Does he see me? And, 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 and at the, why, why the man here may not been able to put it into words yet, this loving thing, this, this miracle, this sign would have changed everything for him, would have, would have put a seed in him that God does see me. He does care for me. He does have the power to resolve all my problems. And, 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 and how do you go from that point? You know, and I, I tried to figure the age out here. It says he was a man. So he had to at least be 20 years old. It doesn't say if he was 30 or 40, but but somewhere I would say in that. But he went through all his, his child life not being able to see. And now he's a man and he can see. And I and I, I thought about it. I'll say this. It says, uh, where is it? I, I, I believe, I hope I didn't read this into it. And Disciple Rowan, he, his man, he's. I guess I got it from context. Um, 
down the uh, yeah. So I got it from context in eight where it says, so the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar was saying, so he was a blind beggar. Um, we could add that he was a man and he was a blind beggar. And I, th I thought about how important your eyes and sight is to even the act of begging. You know, when you see someone on the, um, on the street and they got a sign or whatever, when they see you coming, they walk up and position themselves by you and hold their sign a certain way. And they try to catch eye contact with you to convince you how much, you know, they need your money or your help or your, your assistance. But we fail to realize if we're going to manipulate people or beg people, our eyesight matters, seeing where they're looking and trying to get them to look us in the eye. We tell our kids sometimes when we're disciplined, look us in the eye. And so what's interesting is he's a man and he it's it's worth kind of pondering what was his life like growing up, never being able to see, never being able. Like I, I even thought about it to this point as I was pondering this a little bit. You're you're sitting there and all of a sudden these people come up and you hear this, um, these people getting really excited and they're like, oh, that's so great. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. And, and, and maybe it's, it's this woman that just found out she was pregnant or, or she's starting to show and, and, and these people see the, this, this scene and they begin to get so excited. And he would have often said, what are they talking about? What is all the excitement? There, there are so many nonverbal communications that we have that are driven with accuracy because of what we see. You know, if, if someone got real anxious because of something or scared because of something, he would have had no clue of what that's about. Like, what's wrong? What did I say? What did I do? And it may have had to been nothing but what that was said or done, but just this anxiousness because of what was seen. And, and we take that to a spiritual level. Before Christ opened our eyes spiritually and our ears spiritually and our heart spiritually, we were blind in all those areas. And there were so many things that were being said and that were going on that we just could not process. We could not understand. So one of the points and why I've labored this is as we look through these profiles, we need to humble ourselves and remember at times we're just blind. We're just, we're just deaf. We may be, we may be seeing things, but we're not looking at what the meaning of it is. We're not going underneath the surface to see in what God is truly saying to us. We may hear information or stuff, but we're not listening to what God is saying to our own personal heart and how he wants us to change our actions and our methods. So, um, so this last, the last statement, um, he says, he, he washed and he came back seeing. And then, so if we get to, uh, did anybody have anything they wanted to jump in on that before we move to the neighbors? Anything quick? Well, just one quick thing. Jesus said this man, this man's blindness was an opportunity for God to uh, show a lot of things. But not only, not only did the man become uh, saved and have his eyes open, but he was, he was a, um, his purpose was to be shown to the Pharisees. So because of, um, Jesus was in the struggle with the Pharisees about who he was and God used this blind man and his, 
redemption for his miracle to also show the Pharisees that they were blind. So it was a multi-purpose thing. There were probably plenty of blind men in that age that never, but God used this man for his son's glory, for his son's glory as well. Right. So this next story, of our next part, John 9, 8 to 12, is we're introduced to the neighbors and we see um, our first split. We're going to see a kind of a split opinion um, or split poll between the neighbors and the Pharisees. But here at the Pharisees, it says in verse eight, the neighbors and those who had seen him before a beggar was saying, is this not the man that who, who used to sit and, and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. I am the man. So have a little fun with this and think about this, you know, listen and, and look a little deeper. But think about that. Have you ever seen someone? I mean, in general, when we live just in this world, it's sort of li- in, in some sense, it's, it's living in, in darkness. And when God opens our eyes, our ears and our heart to his glorious truth and we can see his light for what it is and the great value and the, 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 the vastness of his, his, his wisdom is in, in power and all that. It should change our count, our countenance. I guess I'm saying that right, but you got to imagine this guy had some pep in his step when he started seeing for the first time. I mean, his world is open all up to him, but that can change the way you look like you can take people that are not very attractive. And if they love, what they're doing and what they're a part, they actually become fairly attractive because they have something that no one else has excitement and joy. And so I can see where they're like, he's kind of got the, the shape. It looks like him, but there was something very different about him that some was saying, this can't be him. He was a sad old beggar, but now he's got pep in his step. And, 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 the reason what we think about God is so incredibly important is because it's like putting an engine in you. It's purpose and power in you that will radically check, ch- ch- uh, uh, tr- change the way you live out your life. And, 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 and we get to be a, a reflective image of the glory of God. And so when, what, what did we say as our, uh, as a kid, the little song they sang is, I, um, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, you know, on and on. But, but, but we need to come back to that idea that when we are in realization and we see and we hear and we understand deep in our heart what God has done for us, we shine. So I love this picture. I am him. I am the man. Oh, I don't, I don't think you are. And he's trying to convince them. Yes, I am him. So in verse 10, he says, so they said to him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Shalom and uh, or Shalom and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. And so I just, I love, this is the first part of the blind man's story, his pilgrimage of learning to make a defense for the Christ that opened his eyes, for the Christ that, that, that showed him the light 
uh, to see things, the, the meaning and purpose of this life. And um, so, so he's, um, you know, he, he's kind of given a defense of, you know, like, how did he do it? Because there's really no, they use this a lot that he made mud and put it on my eyes and he opened it. But there's, you know, Jesus could have healed his eyes and his sight any kind of way. I mean, there's no, um, no other where in scripture does it, does it say, well, this was the only way to heal eyes, mud. So this is just the way he physically did it in this case, but it was not, a, it was not setting a precedence or a standard. Nobody else was other than Jesus was saying, oh, let's go get mud and wash and wait this long or nothing. Nobody else was getting healed, but this is all they could say. It, it wasn't the most useful explanation of words it didn't it didn't patent the uh the idea of eye healing or anything like that but it was all they could say i was like practically all i know is he said go do this and it's where they started the conversation of figuring out how do we get our sight and and at the end of the day it wasn't how would i say it the the method of the means it was it was jesus it was it was the source you know um he could have used any method or means. Um, but they said to him, where is he? I do. And he says, I do not know. How many of you look at your own personal life, your own personal story. How many of you have had Jesus do something special in your life? Your countenance changed. People noticed something was different about you. And then it came to the point they said, well, where is he? And you, best answer you got, I don't know, you know, I mean, how frustrating is that? You're like, best thing ever happened to me. Well, well how did it happen? No, I don't know. <laughs> you know, just, just, he just put some mud on my eyes, you know, and like, well, that's dumb, you know, and, and you're wanting to convince these people about this miraculous thing that happened in your life. And you're wanting that to happen to them. And you feel so, um, um, it was unable to 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 say any significant words that could could get them to consider the reality of what has happened so in in and moving on to the pharisees in john 19 13 to 16 so Dennis, go ahead jeff hey yeah um the uh, you cutting out a little bit You know, where your sight and and he would have been able to see. Um, but this was this was healing took place on the Sabbath and where he had the man go. The pool of Salome was a very public place. There was a lot of people congregating around that area. There may have even been some Pharisees and uh, people in that area. And uh, and so this man walks up. You can imagine he's he's got this salve on his eyes or he's got mud on his eyes. He's still having to probably feel his way around. He gets in the pool, washes and automatically he can see. So the people that were all gathered around witnessed this miracle in a very public way. And, uh, and Jesus wasn't there. They, had, if you remember, they just drove um, him out of the temple and they tried to kill him because he, he said that before Abraham was, I am. But um, but here you see another great public miracle with all these people gathered around witness it at the time it happened. So because um, I'd wondered that before, why didn't he just give this man his sight right then and there? 
uh, but he had a purpose. He had a purpose uh, for this miraculous thing to be seen by a lot of people. Yeah. So he made it public. He made it Sabbath. He he drew, he was drawing some attention to it, right? Yeah. Well, um, and so so that that was all good context you added too, um, Jeff. Thank you. Um, the um, but so we got the Sabbath. We got the Pharisees, and the Pharisees would have been the team. They would have been the ones that need to know. And that's important because um, as we go along, as the defense of the um, of the blind man or used to be blind man, um, as he as it begins to embolden, um, one of the parts of the story I think is the most interesting is is the Pharisees would have been the ones that are supposed to know, know it all or know all the things about God. And um, and finally, as the journey goes on, he says, what an amazing thing. You have no idea where he came from, you know? And so, um, that, that's a, that's a key, key point there. But, um, but looking at this text in John nine thirteen, he says they brought, um, well, well that's what I was going to say. So the neighbors, they're like, this is a crazy thing going on and we need to get some answers. And so the, the, the community is saying, we need to get some answers. We need to get to the bottom of this. We need to know what's happening. And so the most natural thing to do would have been to go to the religious leaders and ask them, Hey, what, what is all this going on? And so they brought them to the Pharisees and the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day. Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him, um, how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So here's the second division. The neighbors were divided because the guy looked so different you know, I would just say because of the joy in him that he, he didn't even look like the same person. And some was like, he, he, yeah, he, it's, it's him. And others would say, no, that can't be him. That guy was never that happy. But here you have the, 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 um, the Pharisees are, are looking at the data and they're saying um, that, uh, that he, 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 well, this man can't be from God because he's, he's working on the Sabbath. Um, you know, and then the other ones are saying, well, but how can a man do such a such a great work such a sign if he's not from god and so they uh, they they then and this is the second um defense of the of, of the blind man he he first said they said where is he? he said i don't know and then now they they ask him and this is a simple one too in verse 17 he says so they the pharisees asked the, the, the blind man what do you say about him since he opened your eyes and he said he's a prophet, and um, and 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 generally when we look at a prophet, a prophet is speaking um, um, for God to man, and the priest is speaking for man to to God. And so you know when you just ask what is he really saying here in this simple statement, is he saying I, I believe that God is trying to say something to us, and and that's part of this wrestling match. What has just happened here? I mean we've seen a miracle. We've seen a man born blind. We've seen his eyes be open. And this has got to be something that, that, that um, demands our attention. And we open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to what is going on. And some people just want to put it away. And other people want to know what is God 
telling us here. Um, so in John 9, 9 18, we're going to see another, um, um, you know, character here, two characters, but they're going to bring the parents in. And it says the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son? Who you who you say who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, "We know that this is our son, and he was born blind. But how he sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him; he is of age; he will speak for himself." His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ. He was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So this is some interesting things. Um, I don't know that I have all the answers, but it, I have some, some questions or thoughts. Is, is these communities were not that big. I mean, if a man has been born blind and been blind for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever, how does the church not know about that? How does he not know the, the family? So these questions seem a little bit odd to me that they're 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 uh, bringing the parents and asking, is this really your son? And was he really born blind? And and, you know, the the fallen nature of us, um, it, it, it holds us captives, captive. But but there are times we just don't want to hear the truth. We don't want to believe the obvious that's right in front of us. And I think that, that 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 what we see is we see these religious leaders that are uh, doing a lot of this are doing it because they're still bound by their fallen nature. And 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 even God, you know, um, how did he um, I'm trying to think of the text that I'm thinking about is. Uh, it, I know what he says, he says, uh, Jesus, at, at one point, OK, um, yeah. So when you have Lazarus and the beggar, I think that's Luke 16 or so, but Lazarus and the beggar and they go to heaven at the, at the bosom of bosom of Abraham. And, and the, uh, I always, I, I said it like this before that the, uh, the rich man starts trying to become a better evangelism evangelist. And he tells, he tells Abraham send the Lazarus, the beggar back to them. We lost Jeff. Um, send them back to, to, to my brother so that they don't come to this place. And, and what he says there is he says they, ha he, they have the law and the prophets. And if they won't believe them, they won't believe if a, if a dead man comes back to, to life, which is sort of a, 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 an image of, of Christ's um, resurrection. But we, you know, we at times we want to believe what we want to believe we're stubborn we're hard-headed we're self-righteous and we can't believe the obvious that's right there in front of us and so as john walks through these seven signs or these seven miracles all of them are begging us are calling us to believe upon christ um they are supernatural signs that we have to believe upon um but um so in this, in this, in this part, um, I, I, you know, like I said, I, I said this a little bit earlier. Um, I think the best I understand is that 
they would have been much like, like if you get close to Catholicism, um, there's a lot of simple minded people in Catholicism that basically are at a place where if they're not a part of the Catholic church, that there's no hope for them for salvation. And that's, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to, to consider. I mean, I I've been born Protestant all my life. I've never had those thoughts, but, um, but I, my heart goes out to someone that has such a weak or a limited knowledge of, of the things of God that, that they believe that if they do not, if they're not associated and in right standing with their, their local church, that they are, are damned to hell. Um, and that, you know, that's another story, another time, another place. But, but I don't think the parents were just cowards, you know, denying um, the, uh, their, their son in that way. Um, there was some real, there was some real weighty issues there that they were wrestling with. But just as Jeff pointed out, how he made the healing very public, I think what he got, what what Christ does here too, is he basically shows this blind man and his parents and maybe anyone else that's watching, is that I am your source. He he brings them out of what I call the little C church and into the big C church. You know, uh, he, he, he brings them into the family of God where people really care and the provisions are real. You know, think about this guy begging. I mean, how much was the church really helping this family? Um, but yet they're still have a theology that has them married to the church where they're scared that if this church that ain't ever done nothing to really help me, you know, if they cast me out, I can still be worse off. I can still be damned. Yeah. Um, let, me, let, me, let me intercede just a little bit. This, this was my point in saying one of the many purposes of, of this whole incident um, was Jesus. Jesus was in the process of tearing down the temple, which he, which he had to do because the temple became the place of ruling of people. But, but um, when, they, when, when the parents said they were afraid of the Jews, they, they were, if, if the temple said, you no longer belong here, you, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, you don't belong to us, they were ostracized from the community. They, was, they, were, they were just, it was just like they were treated like lepers. If they were thrown out of the temple, that's why, and Jesus, the Pharisees in the temple had taken such a, a, such a place instead of God, the people were worshiping them instead of God. And this was a dramatic thing that Jesus had to do away with. And like you very well pointed out, the Catholics are the same way. Come, you go to a person that goes to the Catholic Church. Uh, we had a person here last year when we were out on a mission trip in town here said, uh, you know, can I go to your church? Because they felt they could not be any place but the Catholic Church. And that's how these people in Jerusalem felt. They had to belong to the temple or they were going to hell. And this was the thing that Jesus, one of the many purposes of Jesus being down there was to break that, break that tie, destroy the temple. Yeah. And that's a, and that's a sense of in, in their knowledge in that sense there, that's a sense of blindness. So not only is he just physically opening this eyes, uh, this, this man's eyes, he's opened his physical eyes. He's opened his spiritual eyes, but he's also possibly opening the spiritual eyes of his parents, everybody, maybe some of the Pharisees. Everybody. He was opening the eyes of everybody. So 
All right. Um, this so here in John 9, 24 to 26 is going to be the third of fifth defenses. And we can we can then we can better yet see how the emboldenedness of the reality of what Christ has done in, in this man's life is beginning to to take shape. He you know, first they said, where is he? And he says, I don't know. And they say, well, who do you say he is? And then he gives a short answer. I think he's a prophet. But, but here in, in 924, he says, so the second time they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Um, he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that though I was blind, now I see. Now, I always kind of read that and like, put that in your pipe and smoke, <laughs> smoke it. But of course, we, we know the we know the song, I once was blind, but now I see, um, you know, how practical is this? I mean, everybody's looking for answers. They're coming to the religious leaders. Uh, this guy has been blind. He's not educated. He is the most simple, common person on the planet, you know, and, and he just says, I don't know. Y'all keep asking me this question about what's going on. I mean, I, I'm just excited about it, but um, all I know is I was blind and now I see, you know, I mean, it's just a simple answer and, and how, how, how big is our God that he, he can silence the mouths of certain people with, with, with certain things. I mean, the, the person he's silencing the mouth with barely knows what to say. He just knows, look, man. And I always like to think about it like this. I mean, I kind of picture it this way. If I'm the blind man, I'm like, you ain't, I've been begging cause y'all won't bring me no food. <laughs> you know, you ain't ever helped. Like, like I think the blind man starts realizing who butters my bread. It ain't, it ain't these Pharisee leaders. You know, Jesus has done more for me in, in, in one day than they did have done for me in a lifetime. And so he begins to just, he can't help but to put his trust in where it needs to be in Christ. And so the next little section, uh, verse 26, he says, and they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And this I put, the battle gets heated at this point. <laughs> so this is the fourth response that this man says, and he, he gets a little fire in his, in his bones at this point. In verse 97, he, he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. What do you want? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? So he's actually getting aggravated with the, the questions and, and lashing out a bit here. Um, but but look, look at how he's emboldening up here. And then this last part, we'll see the, the final um, say before he gets himself kicked out of church. He says, uh, and they reviled him saying, you are, the, are his disciple. But we are the disciples of Moses, kind of like they're saying we're Alabama national championship fans right there. <laughs> but we are the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Now, this is a very fairly logical thing. I mean, they had a long history of knowing God had talked to Moses. This is a new thing. And they're not quick to make you know, a decision. Oh, well, he healed someone's eyes, you know, so there's some logic to there, but they make that statement. We do not know where he comes from. And we get to see the mic pass back to the blind man. And he makes his, his fifth defense that gets him kicked out of church. 
and the man answered, uh, uh, he, the man answered, he says, why, this is an amazing thing. You know, you do not know where he comes from and yet he's opened my eyes. Basically what he's saying, you are basically the smartest people in town and you don't have any, and you're supposed to be the, the, the spiritual subject matter experts. And you have no idea who someone that can heal a blind man comes from. <laughs> he's basically coming to the conclusion then what good are you? <laughs> what are and you do, doing here? And do you see? Do you see that Jesus, you God used this incident to help fight Jesus fight a battle that he was in the middle of? Because we're so blessed that we come, we're coming to this world knowing the whole ministry of Jesus, including the resurrection. But Jesus struggled presenting himself as a man and being looked upon as a man and not as God. And this was before he could confirm by his resurrection who he really was. So this was a struggle that Jesus went through. How do I convince people they see a man? How do, they, how do I convince them that I am from God and I am one with the Father? And this was part of the thing. He had to, so, so he won half the body. One half the Pharisees began to see him as God. And the other half continued to be stubborn and only worship through Moses. So he was making a point that he had, that was one of his major purposes down here was so that we would stop worshiping our forefathers and start worshiping God from heaven. And Jesus had a lot of hard work to do to, to make himself understood before, the, before he was actually died and resurrected. Now we don't have that problem. We, we know the whole story. Yeah. So he, he finishes this defense in verse 31. He says, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And it says they answered, the Pharisees answered him, you are born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. Um, you know, you, you have a dialogue until you get heated and you, you start name calling. Right. Um, and so he, he the, to, to finish up the last two ideas here of the story in John 935, it said Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And I like to just think about that thought for his ex example. Um, you're being mistreated in church and you're trying to stand for truth and, and you're cast out. And it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Now at this point, this guy is still very elementary trying to understand what has happened to him and, and who Jesus is. And, and next to um, John four, the woman at the well, um, this is, this is as kind as Jesus was with people. Um, he says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? So Jesus has sought him out after he's been cast out. He's, he's been persecuted for Christ. And he, he says, and then, and the man in verse 36 answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, 
and it is he who is speaking to you. You know, Jesus is not direct like this with too many people in scripture. And, and in 38, he says, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And then the final idea, and we'll open it up for final thoughts, is um, Jesus makes this statement, for the judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. You know, in 1 Corinthians, I, I believe is where it is, um, like say verses 18 to 25, it says that God has made the wisdom of this world foolishness and the foolishness of this world wisdom. And, and it's talking about this picture that we're talking about here. He's opening our spirit up to see the things that really matter with our eyes, with our ears and with our heart. And as we try to talk about them, we just sound like foolish people. That's just the way God, God does it. But as he makes this statement, he says that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And it says in verse 40, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? And he said, Jesus said to them, if, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say that we see, your guilt remains. This is the, 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 the definition of self-righteousness, of pride and arrogance. And those things blind us. It causes us to cling tighter to the wisdom of this world than the wisdom of God. And we can't just come to know the wisdom of God. God has to open our eyes, our, our ears and our heart. He has to open that wisdom up to us. But the question is, like this overall miracle, when something happens in your sphere of influence that no one's ever seen before, how do you process it? Do you, like the neighbors say, no, it's not him. It's one that looks like him. Do you, like the Pharisees say, well, how can it be of God if it was done on the Sabbath? Or how can it be of, you know, of, you know, which, which way, what, 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 what eyes do you see through? What ears do you see through? What heart do you see through? Do you, do you see through that new heart that God is, is giving you and, 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 and developing in you? How do you see? So I'll stop with that. I hope there was some, some good points um, and, and let you guys um, kind of recap what, what you see there. Well, one of the things about his blindness, he was born blind, and we don't realize the emphasis there. If you're born blind, you don't even, you're not even aware of your blindness. You don't consider yourself blind. You think yourself, you, you think yourself normal, so you think nobody else sees. When, when Jesus said, um, when the Pharisee said, do you think I'm blind? He said, you are blind. But now you are aware that you are blind. He made, made their blindness aware, just like he makes us aware when we think wrong of our wrongness and of our blindness. We don't think we're blind until we realize we are blind. So he makes us see that blindness, to see our mistake, and to see the things that we have that are wrong. Because we think we're right until we get to see our blindness. Yeah. And that's what, Jesus was, that's what Jesus was doing with this man that was he didn't just pick a blind man, but became blind in age, became, 
he picked a man that was born blind because he needed to be made aware of his blindness so that when he was no longer blind, that's the joy and the happiness he's created. What, what the rest of you think? Jeff, you got anything? Yeah, just, just kind of going off what, what Wayne said there, you know, a man that was born blind, uh, what is it, verse 32 says, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. Not, I want to say uh, that may even be true today, that if, if somebody is born blind and it's not corrected early on, those synapses between the brain and the eye um, can never join and meet. And so if, if that critical time isn't taken care of, um, th that person will be blind for life. And it, it truly, um, this story just paints a picture like Wayne was saying, it, it goes back to the sovereignty of God. God, God has to open the eyes of the blind. And, and, you know, Dennis, you talked about it early on. There's these physical stories are painting a spiritual reality and, and that we are so dependent on God to open the eyes of the blind, um, that, that there's nothing we can do with all the technology and everything that we have to change a man's eyes. There's nothing we can do with all the technology and advancements we have to change a man's heart. It's, it truly is an act of God. Mm -hmm. And like, and like what you say, and like, like sometimes we wonder why when we try to share our faith and, and, and I, I pointed the five stages, <laughs> It, it got emboldened, you know, in his faith. Sometimes we wish we could just answer everybody's questions. And we feel weak sometimes when we give these, these, um, these weak answers. But it's like what Jeff just said is we have to learn that only God can open their eyes. Only God yeah. can show them to see it. And, and, and he will do that with our weak answers. We just got to be brave enough and faithful enough to do the best we can um, and, and that's when we, when we go out there, you know, in, in, in first Corinthians two, one through five, Paul says, I came to you in fear and trembling, preaching only Christ and Christ crucified. Like sometimes we need to evangelize, um, in fear and trembling, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I'll tell you what I got and trust in the fact that God will take that little and make much what you think, Shane. One thing that sticks out to me is that, you know, he had to have hope. And can you imagine when Jesus told him, go wash in the Shalom, how much hope he probably, he probably sprinted there. Like <laughs> Jeff said, it was an, it was an, a public, uh, I guess, showing. So um, I, I think back to the proverb and I was just looking it up to see which number is proverb 13, 12. And it talks about hope deferred makes the heart sick. But uh, uh, but the, the desire makes the uh, tree of life. And that's that's exactly what he got. I mean, not only did he get his sight, but he received life um, knowing that his hope was fulfilled in, in Jesus. Yeah. He, well, basically, he got more than what he, he he came for sight, but he got eternal life. You know, the salvation. What do you think, Mr. Mike? Sorry if I'm an unmute button. Um, yeah, I can't help but just kind of turn toward, uh, I've been looking at 2 Corinthians uh, 3 and 4, where it talks about, you know, that veil still remains over the eyes of the unbelieving. 
and that veil is only taken away in Christ. You know, just, I mean, there's, there's a reason that it was very specific that this guy was born blind and just like us spiritually, we are born blind. That veil remains over the eyes of us. Um, and, and, ver- and chapter four goes on to say that the, the God of this age, um, talking about Satan has blinded the mind of, of those, um, you know, here and until God opens those eyes so that we can see it, it only comes from him. And, you know, just this guy's story, and I've always loved it. Probably one of my favorite verses is um, it just his testimony is, and that's our testimony, right? Is we don't need to know all the answers. All we know is I was blind and now I see, I don't, I, you know, and that's, that's the hope that we have for us and we can be evangelists in a sense. And I've always tried to be very open with people because you're going to come across people that have a lot of questions and they want to know all the answers before they'll believe, you know, and, and I, I try to be sensitive to that in a sense, you know, but, you know, our story is we were blind and now we see, and, and I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I was like, look, I don't have all the answers, but I'll do my best to try to answer your questions. But at the end of the day, you know, their, their eyes are blinded and until God Un- unveils that uh, with the gospel, um, they're going to they're going to remain blind. So just a, a, a great story. And, and Dennis, as you were sharing, I was thinking, you know, I never and probably until today, I didn't I never thought about this. But this guy was was born and plagued with blindness for such a time as this. Right. I mean, like what in and, and, and I also thought about this earlier when I was reading this was they never mentioned this guy's name. We hear of other blind Barnabas, you know, we, we heard him, but we don't, we don't hear this guy's name. And I think it's, it's for a reason because that's our story too. You know, we, we don't have to plug it in and go, well, that was, that was Bob's story. He was the one that was born blind. No, this guy is, is us, you know, is that that's our story too, is that we were born in, in spiritually blind, <laughs> excuse me, so that, um, we can tell a story and we can, we can see ourselves in this story of this man. And I think it's just a great, a great uh, testimony, but, you know, imagine being born blind for, and, and living in that condition for, like you said, 20, 30, 40 years, we don't know, but, but for such a time as this, as Jesus said, so that he could proclaim a, a simple message about blindness and being uh, received sight, you know, uh, not just for, not just for the man, not just for the neighbors, not just for the Jews, not just for the Pharisees, but for us and for the world um, to hear that story. Yeah. What do you think, Rusty? Yeah, I just, uh, I keep going back to the parents, you know, they, when they were being questioned, they, had an opportunity to stand up for their child and back back him up. And, you know, they, they did say he was of age, but then they kind of threw it on him and say, told them, told the leaders to ask him because of their fear of being kicked out of the church. And it goes back to how, how far will we go to back up our children in today's time? You know, a lot of, a lot of parents might've done the same thing in order to protect themselves, you know, but they, but the parents here, uh, I guess you could say, turn their backs on their son. Uh, by saying, ask him, he's of age, you know, and, and but at the same time, by the man having sight, so I, I see the parents as being caretakers to this guy, 
up until the point he gained his sight because they, you know, they, I'm sure they had to do a lot for him. But now that he has his sight back, and now they turn their back on him, so he don't really need them as much as he did before because now he has God to take care of him and he has his sight. So that was a big thing for me. Yeah. And I mean, I, I for the parents to be the, you know, you know, be fair. I think for the parents to be the hero of the story, Jesus would have had it. It would have had to be about them. I mean, at the end of the day, the miracle is that Jesus is doing a work in this blind man. You know, um, you know, and 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 what was everybody around this blind man is what is going on. You know, and it was through the work that Jesus was doing in the blind man that he was speaking to every, everyone. What you think, Paul? You the, the last guy. Yeah. Well, um, a lot of awesome stuff in here. Um, what kind of jumped out on me is on verse 39, when Jesus says, for judgment, I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Um, and what that kind of makes me think of is, um, Going back to uh, the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, um, um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. Um, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be, feel they will be filled. Uh, and he talks about blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. So what I see there is it's a, he's using this physical physical blindness as an analogy for the, you know, really to talk about the spiritual blindness. So it was always kind of confusing when he said those who see will become blind. But what I'm thinking, what Jesus was kind of saying there is those that were prideful and self-sufficient like the Pharisees, he was going to make them, because it almost like you see this, like, like he's uh, just definitely not even giving the Pharisees a chance they're condemned, but, I think when he says those who see will become blind, I think in a sense it's a spiritual blindness where he's going to take those prideful ones and transform them because of these things, or the goal is to make them be mournful, be um, poor in spirit, and, and, and really understand the, the desperateness of their sin and, and their need of him. And another thing it made me think of is that here he's talking, you know, it's when he's He's first in the world, so some believe and some don't, but I think it also applies to um, those who are already saved, and the reason I think that is when you go to Revelations uh, 3, when he's talking about the church of Laodicea, and he says um, in 317, let's see, 318, I think. No, no, 317, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, poor, pitiful, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so you can become rich, white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put in your eyes so you can see. So I think the lesson here is, is not just for the lost, it's also for, because in Revelation, he's talking about how they see themselves, and they're really, even though they were led to see in church, it was kind of like our church today, where we're out doing works and doing things. Uh, and he actually commended the church of Laodicea because he said, I see you're doing these things, but, you know, you're, you're falling back into a blindness because you're getting too caught up in this and not um, 
your spiritual eyes aren't working right to look at, to see me and, and to worship me and make me first in your life, your first love. So I think it kind of, a, you know, this whole, this whole lesson of the blindness, physical and spiritual blindness in this story and John applies to the unsaved, but it also applies to those that are saved because we can fall into a, a deceptive blindness um, from turning away from our first love like the Church of Laodicea did. So we have to be, you know, be very careful where we're at because we can fall back into that blindness too. But I also think um, he's talking about with the Pharisees here. I'm hoping he's talking about that because you hate to see, you want everybody to have a chance for salvation, but when he talks about so the blind will see and those who see will become blind, I'm thinking he means just to put them in that place of um, of realizing their, their desperate need for him so that they'll turn to him as well. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm aware of that. I wrote this, I, I titled it The Sleepwalker. It was just some thoughts. I was trying to see if it, it was relevant, but it says, what is the condition of one that has fallen asleep? He sees, but he doesn't look. He hears, but he doesn't listen. Therefore, his heart is hard because there is no real meaning to what he sees and hears. The information doesn't form something of value to him. The un, the the understanding doesn't rejoice in the knowledge or reality of what is before him. What can make his heart tender? What can cause his flatline spiritual heart monitor to bounce up again? How can he find spiritual life that changes his reality? And I, I thought about that with this story is um, what do you do to go to sleep? You close your eyes, right? You willingly close your eyes. And I believe that there's a spirit of us willingly closing our eyes that has allowed us to go to sleep. I think it's encouraged by the temptations of, of, of the enemy of the devil. Um, but but it's, it's fun to look at this story and see the value of looking a little deeper at the, at the, at the story and seeing the possibilities of how God gives us life through his simple, simple truths, you know. So, um, amen. Good story. Um, I'm going to pray a little bit the next day or two about exactly where we'll go next. I'll, I'll let you know it will be in the book of John. It will be a story. It's probably going to be, um, the Samaritan woman in John four, but I'm like I said, I'm gonna pray through that a little bit. Um, but I hope y'all got guys enjoyed this morning and got something out of it. All right, um, Jane, you want to close this in prayer? Yeah. Father God, most gracious Lord, thank you for this message, Lord. And just knowing that our hope relies solely in you, Lord, I pray, like Dennis said, we just don't sleepwalk, um, but that, that the messages we hear don't become dull, Lord, that our ears continue to hear and our hearts begin and continue to open and be receptive to you, Lord. Uh, you know, we know your word says it, it, it won't return void. So, Lord, I pray that each day that there, there's something that you're using in us and, and, and growing your kingdom. 
Father, thank you for this word this morning. Let us go to church and just not only just share with those at church, Lord, but, but outside. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Continue, y'all. See you guys. Have a good week.